Well, today we want to continue our series that we've entitled The Summer of Wisdom, where we've been looking at the book of Proverbs all summer long, and uh, we're kind of almost to the midway point of the summer. We've been doing it in June, we're going to do it all July, and we're going to keep studying it on through August, and um, lots of different things. But today, the title of the message is this, and I don't need you to smile at me when I say it, but it, you, might, you might feel like you want to. I like the way you work it. Go ahead, tell the title to somebody next to you. Look at them and say, I like the way you work it. Go ahead, tell them. And if they're cute and they don't have lunch plans, I'm just saying, I like the way you work it. I like the way you work it. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24 says this. The diligent find freedom in their work. The diligent find freedom in their work. Let me modernize that. The diligent find freedom when they're at their job. The diligent find freedom in their job. He goes on to say, the lazy are oppressed by work. The lazy are oppressed by work. We're going to look today at what God's word has to say, what the book of Proverbs in particular has to say about the way we go about our work. The way we go about our work. I believe that as believers, as people who love God, as people who have given our hearts and our lives over to the Lord, I believe with all my heart we ought to be the hardest working people. I believe with all my heart that believers ought to be the ones that are finding promotion and being blessed on the job. I believe that believers ought to be people who find the greatest amount of fulfillment in the things that they put their hands to. And I believe that everything we set our hands to, it can and it should prosper. I believe that we can find the greatest amount of joy in what we do because there's a secret behind what we do. And it's not found in what we do. It's found in why we do it. It's found in why we do it. Why do we work? Why do we serve? Why do we live? Why do we show up on the job and work hard? Why do we show up in a way and bring honor to God? What does that look like? And I want to talk about that for the next few minutes. If you're taking notes, I want you to, to write this down. Here's kind of the big idea today. It's not real great grammar, and it sounds a little funny, but it's a really true point. Here's the point, and I want you to write it down. What Work what you got, and what you got will work. If you work what you got, what you got will work. See, too often we look at the things that are in our hands and we think that it's not enough to accomplish something good in life. We don't feel like we have the tools, the skill set necessary to achieve something in life. And so we don't feel like we can improve or that we should improve or that we really bring our best. We oftentimes just do just enough to get by. But I'm here to tell you today that if you work what you got, what you got will start to work. It'll start to work. It'll work on your behalf. It'll work for you. Proverbs 12, we read it just a minute ago. It's the diligent who find freedom in their work. I know too many people who feel like their job has imprisoned them. Here comes Monday again. Ugh, my boss. Ugh. I got to work again. It's another 12-hour day coming up. Oh, man, I'm so tired. I'm so busy. I'm so, and we feel enslaved because we just show up every day just to get to the weekend. 
and the weekend gets here and we're busy and we're running around and we're filling our lives with pleasures and then all of a sudden Monday shows up again and we're like, ugh. Why? Because we feel enslaved to the things that we're doing. Because if we don't work, we know we don't eat. And if we don't eat, we got people upset with us in the house. And we don't like people getting upset with us at the house because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So we gotta work to keep mama happy. And we understand that life requires certain things, that if we don't have money, we can't do certain things. And we all know that God has given us, and it's just kind of one of those things. Adulting gets hard sometimes. I get it. But the Bible says that the diligent find freedom in that. But it's the lazy person who feels entrapped and ensnared and enslaved. You're like, yeah, but I'm not lazy. I work hard. I just don't like what I do. I just, I just want to do what I want and make a lot of money doing it. Like, is there a way to sit by the pool and look good and get paid to do that? Yeah, but you got to live in Hollywood. So, yeah. We all wish for certain things and we want to achieve certain things in life and we all know that hard work is required. You know what I love about living in, 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 in the Midwest? We understand what it means to work hard. You are surrounded by people who get what it means because many of you, not only do you work a normal job, you go home and have a job called a farm and you work hard there and you've got extra things that you're doing and you're helping other people and you know what it means to work hard. And I love that work ethic, but I wanna broaden the definition a little bit more today. I wanna unpack something for you today. See, the word diligent, I looked it up in the dictionary because, well, I'm not all that smart sometimes. And so I wanted to figure out what does the word diligent mean? And I went and I looked up in the dictionary, what does this word diligent mean? I, I thought it meant like faithful and consistent and like, yeah, I show up because I got to. That kind of, I was thinking that's what it meant, but I was kind of surprised by the actual definition of the word diligent. Here's, here's the definition. Showing care and conscientiousness towards one's work. That's what diligent is. Showing care for your work. It doesn't say that the hard worker finds freedom in their work. You would think that that would be the opposite of lazy, wouldn't you? Because the lazy person is going to just hate job and hate life and just, ah, uh, I hate work and I don't want to work. If I, could, if I could just hurry up and not have to work, that'd be great. The lazy person says, I don't work. And you would think that the opposite then would mean that the person who works hard. But that's not what diligent means. Diligent means that we show care and have conscientiousness about our own work. In other words, you could say it like this. Diligent shows up in the details. Diligence will be seen in the details of how you work. It's not that you work that God says you'll find favor in that and that'll be good. That's not the kind of work that God blesses. It's the diligent worker that God wants to bless. It's the person who shows up on the job and really, really cares about what they do. Some of you are like, I better find a new job then. Because I tell you right now, I don't really care about what I do right now. It's not really my thing. It's not really what I grew up, what I really hope to do. No, see, diligence shows up in the details. Diligence just means that we care a lot about it, which means that there must be a motivation behind the care that we put forward in the work that we do. There has to be something that motivates this care, this, this drive, this hope, because it's interesting. We would think that 
for some of us, we don't like where we work or we're not satisfied with where life is. And we just figure, well, if I care less, then it won't bother me as much that I have to be here nine to five. And so what we tend to do is just be like, well, it's no big deal. It's just work. It's fine. It's just work. I got to do it. Got to do it. Just suck it up. Deal with it. Just do it. And if I care less, that will help me kind of feel better about the fact that I have to do it. If I just don't let it bother me, then it won't bother me. The problem is the less we care or the more that we care less, we end up with this lackadaisical approach to our work. And it's that very attitude that begins to enslave us to where we begin to feel trapped. In other words, your perspective matters to your passion. Your perspective shapes your purpose. Your perspective has everything to do with whether you feel trapped or you feel free. Whether you find joy and fulfillment or whether you feel like this is just a means to an end and I've got to grunt and deal with it and one day I'll retire and it'll be worth it. There is a difference in the two. And all through Proverbs, you see Solomon contrasting this idea between the lazy, the one who just doesn't care, and the person who's diligent, who decides to care a lot. And it's not the amount of money that you have that makes you care more. Hear me. It's not a position that all of a sudden, well, if I got promoted to the boss, I would care a whole lot more. You're never going to get promoted to that next position if you care the way that you care. You've got to start caring more, not caring less. Why? Because it's the diligent that find the freedom in their work, and it's the lazy, the one who chooses not to care, the one who sits back and says, eh, that's not really for me. I, I could kind of care a little less. It's just work. It's, it'll be fine. I got, let's just get the job done. And we move on, and then we miss out on what God wants to do. It's in Colossians that Paul writes, and he says, honor the Lord with your work. In other words, work in a way. Show up to your job every day in a way that would help you honor God. In other words, is the way that you go about your work, your everyday work, the things that you've got to do on your job, is the way you show up to the job like you're showing up to meet Jesus? That's what Paul says you ought to do. You ought to do it in a way that brings honor to God. Do it in a way that, that, man, it puts a smile on God's face that God would sit up in heaven and say, that's my boy right there. Oh, look how good they're doing. Let's look at my daughter. Look at her go. She's so creative. She's problem solving. I love it. Look, Man, how do you show up to, we want to honor God with everything that he gives to us. Here's the deal. And I know it take, I'm going to say it in another way, and I hope it starts to sink in a little bit because I really want us to get this. How you work matters more than what you do for work. Hear me. How you work matters more than what it is that you do for your work. Success in the eyes of God isn't a matter of what it is that you do for work. Whether you feel like you should be proud of what it is or you feel like you shouldn't be. Whether you, you stand tall when people ask you, what do you do for work? Well, I, I do this for work. Or if you're like, well, I, I, for right now, I'm kind of like in between. I, I kind of I do a little bit of this and do a little bit of this. But it's not really where I want to be long term. I just want to, but you've been saying that line for 20 years. Right? Like, whether you feel great about what you do or you don't feel great about it, it doesn't matter what you do. It, 
doesn't matter the level at which you do it. It doesn't matter whether you're the boss or the lowest rung on the ladder. It doesn't matter if you sit outside an office and get somebody coffee or you're the person telling the person to go get the coffee. It doesn't matter what you do near as much as how you go about doing it. God is more concerned with how you go about your work than what it is that you do for your work. God doesn't say, I'm going to bless the people who sit in a corner office and have a great view. He didn't say he's not going to bless the people who are out on the, on the production floor putting stuff together. He is not, it's not in there. Why? Because everything that we're about to read when it comes to diligence and the way God wants to bless and the type of person God wants to bless has nothing to do with what you do with your hands. It's all about how you handle what is in your hands. It's not about whether you are super talented, super smart, uh, beyond educated, you work this type of, no, it doesn't matter how much money you make per hour or don't make per hour. That's not what's of interest to God. What's of interest to God is how you go about doing whatever it is that you do for work. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom and you're working really hard or you feel like, uh, or you're a salesman out on the road taking people to lunch all day. It doesn't matter. That's the best job in the world, by the way. You just get paid to buy other people's stuff and sit around. I mean, man, come on. If you can talk for a living and convince people to do stuff that they don't want to do, you'd be a great salesman, right? You just enjoy life. I asked a guy one time, hey, what is it that you do? He goes, I just buy people lunch and play golf. Buy them tickets to baseball games and tell them how important they are. Like, wow, suck up. Yep, and I get paid good to do it. I'm like, all right, good for you. It's not what you do that makes you successful. It's not how much money you make that makes you successful. It's how you go about using what God has placed in your hands that matters the most to our king. Are you doing it in a way that honors God or are you doing it in a way that dishonors God? God, God has placed something in all of your hands. How are you handling it? How are you handling it? He's given you an ability. He's given you talent. He's given you an opportunity that's in front of you. Some of you are like, yeah, but my opportunity that I have right now, it doesn't match my skills, but the opportunity is there. Well, that's an opportunity that God's given to you. Are you making the most of what he's placed in your hand? Are you making the most of what he's placed in your hands? My entire life has not really been about, how do I want to say this, Lord? My entire life has been in pursuit of a promise, but that promise has only been fulfilled as I've just said yes to whatever opportunity has shown up in my face. From a young age, I knew I would pastor. I knew that was God's call. I knew that was something that he wanted me to do in my life. From a young age, I knew that that was something that I would do. But it started by just saying yes to running sound in a kid's ministry. And so while there were a bunch of kids and there were people on stage, I would just move sliders up and down. That's not very pastoral, you wouldn't think. Funny thing, this morning, I came out of my office and noticed there was an opportunity to serve. So I got behind our soundboard, and you know what I did? I moved some sliders around. Why? Because there was an opportunity there, and I just said yes to God. See, it's not so much what I do 
It's how I go about doing it. It's not so much what you do, but it's how you go about doing it. I would move on from doing that to, to then leading summer camps. And I would help be a counselor at a summer camp. And then I would help run an entire summer program for kids. And then I would end up uh, wanting to go. My parents were, were kind of against public education. It was private education or home education. And, well, I hated being home educated, so I was like, no, we're going to go to private school. The only problem is my parents couldn't afford private school. There were six of us kids. I was number two. I wanted to go to school. I didn't want to stay home and do it. And so the opportunity came, hey, we'll let you come to this private school if you'll pay your own way. So starting in the eighth grade, I paid my own tuition to go to high school. That's right. I paid to go to high school. I did it for five years. So I decided after, after I graduated high school, I was only going to pay for at least two years of college. I was done working for education at that point in time in my life. And I worked my way through high school. And I did it. Because I cared. I did it because I said, you know what, Lord, this is an opportunity that you've given to me. I'm going to do this for your glory. There are six characteristics today that I want to kind of tell you or show you in Proverbs about the diligence. Six characteristics of the diligence. And we're going to kind of go through these fairly quickly. Six characteristics of the diligence that I found in Proverbs. Now, there, there are more that can be found for sure. But for succinct, for being short and brief today, I felt like six ought to do it. So I want to give you six characteristics of the diligent. How can you go about your work in a way that honors God? Well, here are six ways to do that. Six things. Are you ready? Let's take some notes. Number one, the diligent, if you're going to be diligent, you must be proactive. Be proactive. Proverbs 6, starting in verse 6, says this, You lazy fool, look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provision. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there, a trip to the lake here, a trip to the lake there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. Look at the ant. Nobody has to tell the ant what to do. If you're going to be diligent, if you're going to be somebody who takes deep care in what you do and do it in a way that honors God, you're going to be proactive. You're going you're to be the type of person that shows up on the job and just looks around for things to do. If you begin to be a person that is proactive in what you do, you will always find yourself in a place worthy of promotion where God can take you to the next place, give you more responsibility. The diligent are proactive. Here's number two. Develop your skills. Develop your skills. Proverbs 22, verse 29 says this. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. In other words, your gift that you developed will make room for you for the rest of your life. When you develop the skills that God has given to you, it will take you to a place and give you opportunities and unlock doors that wouldn't have otherwise been open for you. Are you really good at crunching numbers? 
If you start crunching numbers in a way that honors God in a way that is honest and integrous, in a way that shows that you deeply care about these things because the way you work shows up in who you are and you want to do it just like God is the one grading, just like God is the one who's looking out, just like you're doing it and you're going to turn this assignment into God. You start crunching numbers like that, your gift will begin to open doors for you and give you places of an opportunity that you wouldn't have otherwise had. You'll start passing by people in your department who have been there longer than you, but why? Because you started to show up and improve your skill. You started to get better at it. Why? Because you wanted to work for God, not for a paycheck. You start honoring God. When you get, begin to develop your skills, it'll take you places. I'm telling you, you've got skills that need to be developed. Some of it is learning how. It could be practical things, technology, technology related, learning a new skill tech, with technology. Learning how to talk to people in a way that really helps connect. Becoming a better listener. All of these are skills that you can learn that will help you honor God in all that you say and do. Why? It's just who you are. Why? Because you want to honor God. Number three, characteristics of the diligent. Bring your best and then some. Bring your best. Every time you show up, bring your best. Every time you go into a meeting, bring your best. Every time you're given an assignment, bring your best and then some. If you always bring your best and then some, you'll always have opportunities ahead of you. Proverbs 20 verse 8 says, leaders who know their business and care keep a sharp eye out for the shoddy and cheap. For who among us can be trusted to be always diligent and honest? If you bring your best to the work that you're doing, those who oversee you will always take notice. They'll take notice. Why? Because they recognize that you're doing it and you've got an eye. You're looking out for the detail. You're making sure things are in line. Excellence is seen in the details. Diligence shows up in the details. The details matter, and if you can always be bring your best, always look to improve, always look to bring your best, and then some, you'll always find yourself in a place that God can bless you through your work, and you won't hate what you do. You'll find a sense of gratitude in what you do. Why? Because the diligent find freedom, and when we can be diligent, we find that sense of freedom and, and, and relief in our life. Number four. Produce results, don't pursue rewards. This is a little hard one. I really had to wrestle with this thought. Let me, re let me read you the scripture. Proverbs 14, verse 23. Hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. No bread on the table. I have found, as I've lived my life and I've seen others live their life, if you are always pursuing the money, you will always be lacking something. But if you will pursue doing it well, if you will pursue just, you know what? I'm just trying to get the job done. I'm gonna get the job done in a good way. I'm not trying to get the bonus behind doing the good job. I'm just gonna do a good job. I'm gonna bring my best and then some. I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna produce results, not just show up and get a paycheck. Don't just show up to get a paycheck. Show up to produce something. Don't just see, watch the clock and hope it goes by a little faster and take a really long bathroom break and catch up on Facebook. Don't do that again and again and again. 
show up, work hard, produce something, rather than just show up to get a paycheck. What you focus on develops something inside of you. Become the kind of employee that you would want to see promoted, and you'll find yourself in the place where you'll have an opportunity to be promoted. It matters. It matters. It matters. Produce those results. Number five, be faithful. Be full of faith. Proverbs 28, verse 19. Work your garden. Everybody say, work your garden. Work your garden, and you'll end up with plenty of food. Play and party, and you'll end up with an empty plate. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Work what's in your hands. Use what's at your work at the opportunity that's given to you. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful because that's the kind of person that is diligent and finds freedom. That's the kind of person that feels this sense of care. Number six, treat people with honor. People are more important than the project. People are more important than the product. People are most important. If you treat people with honor, people will honor you. And God will honor you. Proverbs 30 verse 10 says, Don't slander a servant to their master, or they will curse you. And you will be the one who pays for it. Proverbs 28, verse 27 and 28 says this, be generous to the poor and you will never go hungry. Shut your eyes to their needs and run a gauntlet of curses. When corruption takes over, good people go underground. But when the crooks are thrown out, it's safe to finally come out. Treat people with honor. Characteristics of the diligent. Characteristics of people who find freedom and joy and a sense of accomplishment in what they do. I want to encourage you, if you feel stuck in your life, it's time to change your perspective. It's time to start caring more rather than caring less. Instead of just mailing it in and just getting by, it's time to put out your best and then some. Why? Because God is honored when we do it, and we can see that blessing come back into our lives again and again and again. How we work matters more than what we do for our work. And when you work what you got, what you got will start to work. I want to invite uh, three men to join me. I want to invite Brian Board, uh, Greg Fess, and Greg Motley. Can you give them a hand as they come and join me here? Thank you. They're going to come on up. They're going to grab a, a stool. There's a microphone up here. And uh, we're going to give them an opportunity to, to share a little bit of their story, their life, and allow you to hear from their perspective some of the things that, um, that God has used them or said to them or helped them apply some of these principles uh, kind of in their, in their life. And so we're going to take the next few minutes and just kind of talk all together and kind of get to listen in on this conversation. And I think it will uh, be encouraging to you as we go. So first, uh, Greg, why don't you start? Why don't you introduce yourself and then... Tell us just a little bit about what you do now and kind of how you got there. Hey, I'm Greg Motley. I've got a wife and seven kids and eight grandkids. I've been in business for 37 years and full-time ministry for three years. I've been in banking most of my career. I'm currently um, regional manager for all the Southeast Kansas branches of Landmark National Bank, which is about a billion-dollar bank located all in Kansas. That's awesome. Greg? 
Uh, Greg Fess, married to my wife Carrie, and uh, we have four kids. Work at Wardcraft, been there for 14 years. I'm the vice president of sales and marketing there, and uh, also lead worship and uh, on the board here. So, a couple different hats. Absolutely. Brian? Well, I'm Brian Board. I live over at Nevada. Married to my wife Sharon, have two sons, uh, two wonderful uh, daughter in laws, two grandkids. And uh, when I was in uh, junior high, I realized that uh, working with my hands was very fulfilling. So I uh, started pursuing a career of uh, restoring collectible arms. And so for 40 years, I've cut checkering on gun stocks. And, uh, and for 30 years, I've restored the collectible arms and I never had to advertise. About five years ago, we started a wood finish business that uh, we're shipping all over the country and several parts of the world. And uh, now my, uh, one of my sons builds duck calls with me and the other one builds uh, gun stocks and architecture and furniture. Awesome. So cool. So cool. Well, I'm going to ask him a couple kind of quick fire questions, just kind of help uh, get things rolling. And then we've got some more weightier uh, meaty questions that we're going to ask. Uh, black coffee or a fancy latte? Black coffee like a real man. <laughs> I'm going to go fancy latte <laughs> in ice cream form. Uh, there it is. There it is. Brian? I'm going to say neither. I prefer water and Diet Coke. There it is. Uh, it works. It works. Uh, a breakfast meeting or a lunch meeting? Definitely breakfast. I'm kind of thinking about bed at noon. So. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice to be a banker. Uh, 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 I'll go lunch. Yep, yep, yep. I'll go either as long as it involves food. <laughs> there it is. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Uh, favorite business or leadership book kind of outside the Bible? Uh, for large business, Jim Collins, Good to Great. Uh, for small business, I, you know, I'd like to go something outside the box, but the best-selling business book for small businesses, The E-Myth, revisited by Michael Gerber. Uh, it's, a, it's a small book. It's, it's actually called Sales Success, and it's a quick read. You can probably get through the book in about two hours, um, but it's a, it's a great book, lots of, lots of principles in there that you can glean from. That's great. I've got multiple books. I would say uh, uh, John Wooden books, you know, The UCLA Coach. Ogmandino, um, uh, Robert Kiyosaki books are great. One of my favorite ones lately is The Business of the 21st Century. Yeah, that's great. I love Robert Kiyosaki. He's such a great thinker. Uh, great, 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 great thinker. All right, let me ask you this question. I'd love for all of you to kind of take some time and chime in, and then I'll ask a little bit more maybe directed questions here. Um, but as a, as a business person, oftentimes we talk about, a lot of times you think about business and you think, well, it's all about the bottom line, all about the, all about the dollar. How have you found yourself as a believer kind of protecting your heart from allowing greed to grow in you? Well, I, um, you have to look at your money is not yours. Um, we, we uh, at least 10% of our giving, it's not that we get to keep 90 uh, we have to be good stewards of the 90 and spend it the way he wants. So giving uh, is really the best defense against greed in business, I think. Um, I would say it's a lot of your perspective. Um, you know, in business, when you're working, I don't consider myself a quote-unquote boss. Um, 
everything that I do, I try and steward. So I am a steward of whatever I've been given. And whether that's people, money, projects, whatever that is, is I'm stewarding that thing. And so that's my perspective. And, and that kind of fights off that, that, that thought of greed. That's great. That's great. Brian, anything you'd add? Yeah, I, uh, I read somewhere that you can't serve uh, God and mammon at the same time. And uh, I've got a mentor, and he asked a question one time about a book I was reading. It's by R.G. Letourneau, Mover of Men and Mountains. And R.G. invented the Caterpillar uh, track system years ago. And he asked this about uh, R.G. Letourneau, who uh, lived on 10% and tithe 90. He said, uh, you know, R.G. has gone bankrupt multiple times. But how long do you think God's going to leave a guy that gives that much to the kingdom bankrupt? <laughs> That's so true. You can never outgive God. I, I think it's so true. I think one of the, the greatest ways that we can protect against selfishness and kick it to the curb is to always choose to honor God first and then look for ways to be generous beyond that. And, and I think it's so true. Let me, let me ask this question. Um, Greg Fest, let me ask you this. How have you kind of balanced your personal ambition, wanting to achieve something with kind of stewarding and managing somebody else's vision? Um, go back to the perspective thing that's, that's so big. Um, whenever you take ownership of whatever it is that you do and whenever you work with an attitude of, it's not just, in this case, Wardcraft, Roger Craft, the owner and the Craft family, um, take ownership of what you do daily because you don't necessarily work for that particular person. Um, I give everything that I do whenever I'm doing it to God. So I work for the Lord. The Lord is my provision. My check might say Ward Craft on it, but, but God ultimately is my provision. And so that's my, um, my focus in that. And whenever I do that, I excel. Mr. Motley, anything you'd add to that? No, I, th- I think he said it just fine. Yeah, good, good deal. That, uh, absolutely. Um, Brian, let me ask you this question. Uh, what has been the hardest lesson that you've learned during your business career and endeavor? Probably the hardest that I've learned is God has his own timeline and he can see the end from the beginning. So uh, be careful that when you pray for him to open the doors that he wants to open, that you also pray that you have the strength to keep up with him. Mm, that's good. That's so good. So good. Um, Greg Motley, let me ask you this question. Uh, what is one thing you would tell someone who feels like they're working for a boss that's unfair or unjust? That welcome to the big club. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked for mostly terrible bosses in my 40 years. And, um, you know, you look at the scripture, many, many great men and women worked for terrible bosses. Esther, Joseph, you know, Fill in Daniel, fill in the blank. They worked for pagan kings. One king threw Daniel in the lion's den, and Daniel said, O king, live forever when he was released, you know. Um, You will work for bad people. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. Um, um, In in the scripture, there are four realms of the kingdom that have authority, the church, the, the government, and the workplace is one of those four. Uh, slaves obey your earthly master there is kingdom authority in the workplace find a way to get your boss promoted and get him out of your hair (laughs) 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 don't try to tear him down try to build him up Uh, that's so good that's so so good oh that's funny uh, I I, want to add to that I know I'm not on this panel but I just want to add to this moment 
uh, you will never go wrong when you choose to honor your authority. Doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. God always responds and blesses to the person who honors the position of authority. Always. You'll never find it uh, written differently in Scripture. Again and again and again, God always blesses and responds to those who choose a place of honor, even if the person doesn't feel like they're worthy or desirable of it. Your heart and your posture make all the difference in the world, in those environments. And, and I found uh, there is a blessing that is reserved for those who choose to remain instead of leave. There's a blessing in place for those who choose to remain. He says, abide in the vine and you'll bear fruit, right? When we choose to to be in a place that we know God's called us to, we may not like the circumstances surrounding it, but when we choose to be planted somewhere where God has us, we will produce more fruit that way because there's a blessing for sticking it out longer than when you cut tail every time. Can I add to that? that? Yep, sure can. I'm a banker, so I get a lot of loan applications, and I get a lot of applications from people who want to start a business to get away from their boss. And that's not a a very good way to start a business. I can't obey any kinds of authority, and I can't get along with anybody, but I'm going to start my own business. It's not a very good way to approach a new business. (laughs) That's all right. That's right, because the way we treat the people who we can see is the way we respond to a God who we cannot see. I'm going to move on before I start preaching again. Yeah, let me ask, uh, let me ask all of you this question. Uh, what are some practical things that you've done to be God-honoring in your career and have those things given you an opportunity to even share your faith? So talk to me a minute about what are some practical things that you've done to be God-honoring in your, in your work? Um. A um, young man came to Christ while he was working for me, and he, he was hostile to faith and hard to supervise. And his name is Rick Box, and he's got a, business, he's got a uh, ministry to businessmen and women. And uh, Franklin Dirks and his family engages him now. But he was the hardest person I ever had to supervise. And he, it was just miserable, him working for me, but he's a talented banker. And um, when he came to Christ, uh, I imagined that it was all of our talks at Dairy Queen, eating cheap food, and me talking about the scripture and talking about archaeological evidence of the scripture and all that. And when, when he uh, came to Christ and started this ministry, he wrote a book, and he said, and he mentioned me, and he said that the biggest thing that um, won me to Christ was not what he said over lunch, but, uh, and he mentioned a specific incident. We had a customer appreciation car wash. And that I said, hey, let's do this and wash everybody's cars that comes through the drive-thru. And he imagined I was just trying to get my car washed for free, you know. And he, had, he came having no intention. I'm an executive. I'm not going out there washing cars. But I was out there touching the first car, and I touched the last car. And he said, that day, I started listening to that man. Um, and so uh, the, the saying is, uh, give testimony to Christ everywhere you go, and if necessary, use words. You have to live before you can talk. That's good. That's good. Um, really, it's a lot of life examples. Um, what I do outside of quote-unquote work um, are a lot of either church things um, and just the way we live as a family. So that is a testimony. So one of the easiest conversations in the world is, you know, on a Monday morning, hey, what would you do this weekend? 
what did I do this weekend? Let me <laughs> let me line them up and shoot yeah. them down. So that um, a big a big one for me again to bring my life into what we're doing. Um, Guatemala, I get to use that every year, all the time, as an example. People know that every year Greg goes to Guatemala for a week. Um, one that also helps on the management side to see how the team operates while I'm gone. I'm a hundred percent unavailable. So when I get back, I also get to assess and see within the team what happened. Um, but no, that that is a great testimony. And um, working for a Christian company also is, is huge. So that is a very pro speak about your faith place to work. Great. Brian? Well, uh, I've had people uh, ask me how that we accomplish what we do and uh, at the level that we do that. And... Uh, I finally got to where I'd say, okay, I'm going to tell you, and I hope you believe me, but uh, I had the good fortune to uh, get uh, locked in with a private entrepreneurial mentorship group, and through that, I found the book of Proverbs about 10 or 12 years ago, and I've told them that if you do that diligently every day, read the chapter that matches the day of the month, some point God is going to start giving you answers that you have been seeking you may not realize you're seeking them but you will start uh, uh, getting discernment in areas that you need discernment and um, I know that I started getting answers that I'd been looking for for 18 years and there literally was no one available to ask the question to and I say if you don't believe me go prove me wrong (laughs) It's so good. I don't know. I hope you've been enjoying reading the book of Proverbs uh, over the last month and now again. And if you haven't, just jump right in. Today was the eighth, and so, or it is the eighth, and so we read the eighth chapter of Proverbs. You will find wisdom and insight on a very practical level all through that book that will help you in every arena of your life, including your work and your business and the things that you set your hands to day in and day out. I want to ask one more question, or two more questions. One for for Greg Fess. I want you to speak to this for a minute, Greg. Um, What advice would you give to somebody who wants to further themselves in their career? What what advice would you give them there? Where they're at, but they want to see different. They want to see change. They want to move forward. Um, Some of what Greg's already uh, shared, but I'm going to say um, the big thing is, and also a series, your mindset matters so much. Um, in every day, how you apply your life. If you are, if you are hunting just promotion, you're never going to find it. It's going to continue to hide from you. But if you get in and you say, I am a steward of what I have been given and I'm going to develop that piece, whatever that piece is, it doesn't matter because in any given day, I am touching a lot of different and sometimes really weird things. Um, but I've accepted that stewardship. Um, so that's huge. Um, the other big one, um, actually, Pastor Tim shared this years and years ago. Man, or, uh, promotion does not come from man. It comes from the Lord. Um, so if you are looking to a man, to a person to promote you, you're going to miss that. Um, the Lord's going to do it when you're not expecting it. And sometimes it's not about a title. Sometimes it's not about the big office. Um, but sometimes you also get those things. Um, I do have the big office with a nice view, and the Lord has really blessed me to a place that I never expected. 
but it wasn't because that was my goal. Yeah. That wasn't my target. That's exactly right. I, I love uh, uh, having known him the longest of any of these uh, guys on, on the stage. Uh, I can attest to that in his life, just being faithful. If you will be faithful where you're at, if you will become a diligent person, you will never lack opportunity in front of you. You will see God reward that, that attitude and that heart that says, I'm going to care about what I'm doing and more things come available. Uh, I think it was um, Mr. Kathy of Chick-fil-A, the owner and founder of Chick-fil-A. Uh, they were trying to determine uh, they needed to, to, to do more marketing and do more things to get more stores. They want to have more Chick-fil-A stores. And they wanted to grow and they're having this meeting and uh, got to one point in the meeting, if I remember the store right, he just slaps his hands on the table and everybody stops talking. Which, if you're the owner of a business, that's a really great response from the people who work for you. And he stops and he says, if we just work on getting better, people will demand that we get bigger. In other words, if we will make sure everybody knows it's their pleasure to serve you, right? that they find joy in what they do and they make sure your experience is the best possible. It will be people who demand that the, the business grow. Why? Simply because of how they go about doing what they do. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. One last question. Uh, I love asking um, this question because I think it gives a, a unique unique perspective. We have a, a lot of people in this room who are under the age of 35, uh, some beyond that, but, but I want you to look back. What would you tell a 22-year-old version of you today that you wish you would have known them? What one thing would you, would you tell that version of yourself? Um, I, I would say uh, to not be afraid of failure. Uh, I, I see some, in so many young people just petrified of anything going wrong in their life and viewing it as God's disfavor and this, I couldn't be, you know, this can't be right. And uh, I would say that a lot of times God used great men and women in scripture through their failures. So just do not be afraid of that. Obey God without the fear of failure. Sometimes God will let you fall. That happens in scripture, but he, it, there's a purpose for it. And so bankers have to be right on lending 99.5% of the time. And I see bankers that are petrified and, um, and un understandably so, because if you make a bad loan in a bank, you get a reputation, that guy makes bad loans. So um, I, I just have to trust God and not worry about the, the results, the consequences, the failure. Do not fear failure. God is for you. That's good. That's right. That's good. That's good. Great. I'm just going to, I'm going to agree 100%. Um, the 22-year-old version of me, um, you know, I, start, I started WordCraft when I was 24, um, and I committed then that I was going to work hard. I was going to stay focused. I was going to be diligent. So, um, I can see now through the last 14 years that that faithfulness and there's been road bumps and there's been a setbacks and there's been things. Um, but I didn't blame God for those things. Um, and, and that's the world we live in. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be things that might feel like are pulling you down, but can just be consistent, be faithful to do what you know in that time to do and honor the Lord in that, and, that, and you're going to continue to be blessed. That faithfulness, that perseverance, such a good, good key. Brian? Someone once said, following what you two have said, that the road to success is paled with failure. 
So, uh, but I would also add, uh, why don't you go to uh, Matthew 6 and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But uh, I also want to say, uh, you know, if you don't pursue your own dreams, you're pursuing someone else's dreams. And most people don't realize the value of the words they speak. Because the Bible says we're made in God's image, and he creates everything with a spoken word. So you create your future with your spoken word. So be sure you say what you want to come true. Can we thank these guys? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with us? We're going to pray and then we'll be dismissed. You guys just stand to your feet. Let's, um, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for each person in this room. God, the things that you've placed in their hands. God, I pray that today we would begin to work what we got, work the opportunities that are ahead of us. We would handle the things that you've placed in our hands in a way that would bring honor to you. God, and we would see your faithfulness again and again in our lives. Lord, it's our mindset that really sets the tone, our perspective that keeps us on the right path. Lord, for those that feel labored, they feel burdened, they feel trapped, God, I pray that you would inspire them today, that they would be faithful, that they would shift their focus from trying to achieve something, and Lord, they would just begin to honor you first, they would honor you most, and Lord, when they work what they got, what they got will start to work, and we thank you for it, in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, God.